Rewind of the Living Dead is brought to you by Germ Death Hand Sanitizer, the only hand sanitizer with 66.6% ethyl alcohol, kills 99.9% of germs, and smells real good doing it too. So you can check them out at germdeath.com. Visit them at Facebook and Instagram at germdeath. Rewind of the Living Dead is also brought to you by reanimatedrecords.com, your place for movies. That's Blu-rays, DVDs, VHS tapes, they got that. There's music, vinyl, CDs, cassette tapes, you name it, they got it. Vintage, new, used, all that kind of cool stuff. Cool t-shirts from bands, from horror films, posters, uh, action figures, you name it, they got it at reanimatedrecords.com. Fair warning, Rewind of the Living Dead is a review show, so spoilers are ahead. There have been hundreds of different takes on vampires on television and film, but writer and director Chris Ball had never seen anything set against the backdrop of his home country in Northern Ireland. That's why he decided to take a stab at a script based around his home country, but while everybody knows that Dracula author Bram Stoker is Irish, there's far less knowledge surrounding the influence an ancient Irish legend supposedly had on him while writing one of the definitive horror novels in history. A blood-drinking fiend named Abertach was one of the first ever stories about an undead creature rising from its grave, and the original stories told about how he could only be killed by a particular type of wood, which led to the theory that gave Stoker the idea for the creature he would write about in his book. Ba ran with that idea while adding mythology about a small town in Ireland where the people felt shortchanged after their local legend was all but swallowed up thanks to Stoker's novel that sparked a centuries-long obsession with vampires. The finished product involved a group of locals who accidentally awake the ancient evil living under their town and the fight to keep Abertach from feasting on every one of them. Some things are older than science. Older than God? The Earth has its own secrets. And if you get close enough, you'll hear it. (laughs) (laughs) Haven't you guys got anything better to do? Nope. No, we don't. This land belonged to Avertag. He drained people's blood and drink it like water. Like Dracula. Fuck Dracula. I'd love to know if there's actually anything under there. We'll find out soon enough. I saw something weird. Who's fucked that? Fuck this, I'm out! There's a vampire on my side! Can't we fucker shout about me? This isn't Dracula. People don't get turned from a fucking bite. They get turned by the stones from Abertak's grave. Fucking move, will you? We need better weapons. Are there any ideas in there? What about sunlight? I mean, that is the number one vampire killer. Burn, you bastard. Oh, shit. If Abertak binges all night, the whole town's gonna be dead as fuck. Move to the wrong fucking town. You shit! Oh, come on, like, what are we supposed to do about this? 
In the latest episode of Rewind of the Living Dead, we're going to order up some pints and gather some stones as we review the 2021 horror comedy, Boys from County Hell. And I'm Patrick Guerra. And Patrick, this week we are going to be reviewing a film that I heard a lot about last year, and unfortunately I just never had a chance to watch it. It was on a lot of 2021 best of lists. It's a Shudder exclusive. Hey, Shudder. Oh, hello, Shudder. And uh, it's a movie called Boys from County Hell. It is from Ireland, as I mentioned at the top of the show. Uh, Ireland is uh, a country I'm very familiar with. My family hails from that lovely isle. And, uh, and it is a movie that I heard a lot about last year as a great horror comedy. Now, I gotta be honest, uh, watching the movie, and we'll get into, you know, a lot of the review here, while there are definitely funny, really funny lines in this movie, I don't know that I, I, I called it a horror comedy because that's the way it's classified, but I don't know that I really call this a horror comedy. Well, I think it is a horror comedy, but it's the comedy sensibilities of the Irish, which is kind of cool. It's just a different way of looking at funny. You know, English funny tends to be rather dry. Irish humor, close. Uh, there's, a, there's a little bit more shit kicking in it. There's a little bit more of, uh, I think, a, a blue collar satisfaction that you get out of Irish comedy that you don't often see uh, in other types of comedy uh, on, in the West. Um, but you know what's, I, what I found interesting, I just thought about, like this is probably our third, maybe even fourth vampire movie that we've done. They're all different. They're all so different and interesting. Like it, it's a testament to the template that is vampire in that you can constantly change it and reinvent it. Uh, there are plenty of like stale vampire movies and we probably won't ever get to any of those because they don't try anything new and different. Uh, Boys from County Hell, they do try something different. And at the end of the day, I, you know, look, spoiler alert, I'm into it. Yeah, I really enjoyed this movie. I mean, this was a, a lot of fun. And, you know, I always applaud originality. You know, originality goes a long way because we are living in an era, Patrick, where, you know, a lot of remakes, a lot of reboots, a lot of, you know, retelling of, of stories. And and listen, I, you know, we've we praised, you know, the 2018 Halloween uh, I know we're both looking forward to, although maybe cautiously optimistic about the new Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Like we don't, not, not, we don't mind, you know, sequels or reboots when they're done well. It's not that, but we get inundated with them so often that you know you can get a little bit of a you know glass half you know glass half empty kind of attitude about it because they're so played out. They happen so often, so originality counts a lot for me. And that's why, you know, even in films that we've reviewed on this show that perhaps I didn't love, I still give them a lot of credit for being an original take on the genre. And we got to be honest at this point, I mean, reinventing or doing something different in the vampire genre seems nearly impossible because so much has been done. I mean, I think there are some really definitive takes on vampires in film and television over the last, you know, 20, 30 years, 
a great example, even though the show went completely off the rails towards the end, but at the beginning, it was so original and so great as True Blood. I loved True Blood when it first debuted on HBO. The first couple, three, four seasons were great. Again, it really went off the rails in the last, you know, the latter half of the show, but the first three or four seasons were so great, so original, and it was such an interesting take on vampires. Uh, you know, and there's, a, of course, a million other examples out there where they are. Like but the I, I del Toro show. Uh, what was that one? I can't remember. I watched all of it and it was it it was the same way. It was good. And then it got off the rails. Do you remember uh, that one? Are you talking about Penny Dreadful? Is that his? No, no, no. it was it was a while back with um, Corey Stahl. He was in. Oh, it. oh, oh, uh, the, the strain, the, the strain. strain. Thank yes. you. Yeah. yeah. Which was a famous, you know, a set of like graphic oh, yeah. novels no. or novels or something. Right. Yeah. It was a, a, a three books. I actually read the books last year. I never read the books before. I actually watched the show. Never read the books. I read the books last year. Uh, yeah. I really liked the strain. It, it again, maybe fell off the rails a little bit in the last season, but yeah. Uh, but everything up till then was great. Yeah, the strain, again, strain. So originality counts, especially in vampires, because we've seen so many versions of it that are kind of cookie cutter, um, you know, and, you know, and then there are some versions that where they change things and it's just, you know, utter shit. Uh, I'm looking at you, Twilight. Uh, you know, so, uh, you hey, know, but, original take, man. It's, it's, it's original. An, you can't say it's not. I didn't watch one of those movies. I haven't. But I, but I know the foundations of it. You can't say it's not an original. No, take. it's it's original, but original doesn't mean good. It just means original. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, anyways, but again, it, you know, it is nice when you can reinvent it and do it in a, in a good way. And I think Boys from County Hell managed to do that. Yeah. No, I think it did. Um, for, first and foremost, like uh, as premise wise, um, you kind of you you kind of you, you meet these these blue collar types that uh, that are living and working in this small town, and a couple of tourists roll in. Very uh, American Werewolf in London, oh. that, like that beginning of that. And I think yeah. it was totally on purpose. I think Chris Baugh like totally meant to kind of invoke that feeling. Uh, the, these these locals take these tourists and tell them the story of Abertok or Avertok. I'm gonna butcher that, so forgive me, um, but. I learned something. I, first of all, I know you said in the intro, everybody knows Bram Stoker's Irish. I never knew. <laughs> I never even, I heard Bram, Bram Stoker to me sounded like German. <laughs> just goes to show how little I know about Irish and, and German culture. I was like, yeah, it sounds like a German guy. Uh, so I didn't know he was Irish. And then what they imply in this movie that felt pretty factual right off the top was that he probably lifted his idea from this ancient Irish uh, folk tale or uh, what else would you call it? Um, like a legend, like an Irish legend, like a legend yeah, or, yeah. you know, some sort of mythology uh, that he lifted the idea of Bram Stoker's Dracula, which let's be honest. I mean, that's, that's patient zero. Dracula is where it all starts. And, and so I was like, wow, that's kind of interesting. It, it was so educational for me to be like, Oh, I had no clue that this even existed, which again, we've talked about international horror a couple of times on this on this podcast. International does include, you know, things from Ireland because we're we're not from there. You know, North America sort of dominates uh, the movie sphere. But you learn something and I learned something right then and there. And I was like, oh, that's that's pretty fucking cool. I had no idea that uh, there was this this legend that that uh, that that takes place in Ireland that you could very easily turn into something like Dracula. Yeah, and and listen, you know, to be clear, we don't know. I mean, it's you know, it's like anything else. It's a you know, there's yeah. a legend that he did this, but 
Uh, I love it because it, it's fun. It, it, and, and listen, when you read the the Aubertach or Aubertach or however you pronounce it, as I said, I'm also going to butcher it. Abercrombie uh, and Fitch. Yeah, <laughs> please not that. Uh, <laughs> when you when you read up, I actually read about it uh, right before I right after I watched the movie, and I I looked at like the Wikipedia page, and I was like, this is fascinating. I was completely unaware of this legend. Uh, so it was just really cool. And again, we talk about like, you know, international horror. We've done you know the episode we did, uh, with our friend Robbie, like we, they're one of the great parts about international horror. A lot of them really do dip into, you know, local mythology to tell their stories. Um, they did a great example. I really, really enjoyed, uh, the show that was on a uh, TV show that was on, uh, last year on HBO, um, why am I, what am I, uh, Lovecraft country? Oh yeah. They did a lot of like local mythology with that, with bringing in like the Korean monster and all that kind of stuff. It was really fun. And, and again, when I looked it up, it was like, Oh, this is all real. Like this is all based on actual yeah. legends. Uh, we've talked about that with other films as well. So I love that there is a legend in Ireland, you know, this Aubertach, Aubertach, however you pronounce it. Uh, <laughs> And again, the, the rumor that it supposedly influenced Bram, Bram Stoker. I love that. I love that, that. Again, even if it's not true and who knows, but it is similar. You can't deny that. Like when you read that legend, that it does sound like at least somewhat similar. Uh, and I mean, and that's, listen, that's how we come up with stories. We all, we all do that. We're working on a script right now. I won't give anything away, but we were influenced to write the script. So oh, yeah. I, yeah, that's how it works. But I love that. And, and, and again, when I read the interview with Chris Ball, when he talked about making this movie, um, he was saying like, he had never seen a movie set in his part of Northern Ireland, like with Irish cast members, Irish, you know, everything Irish which I loved. And then he had, he had, you know, he knew the Bram Stoker thing, but he didn't really know about the Albertach thing. He was unaware of that as well. So he did his research and he, you know, again, he twisted it and changed it a little bit uh, for the movie, but I love that. It's like a town that are, they're kind of bitter. <laughs> they're kind of bitter yeah. that their town, like, you know, is where this Albertach creature is from. Yet they don't get any credit when the Canadian kids roll through and they're like, do you know this legend? And they're like, you know, they're telling the story and these kids look completely dumbfounded. Uh, and then they mess with them to kind of prove a point, but it's great because, uh, it, it feels authentic. I think that's what made me like a big part of what made me like this movie so much is it feels authentic. Like I 100% could see, cause I come from a very small town. I know you're kind of a, you grew up in kind of like a city guy. I grew up in a very small town and I know how we are. That's like, you know, when you don't give us credit, when we won like football games, when I was a kid, we'd all be bitter. Like, Hey, you don't know about our football team. What are you talking about? You don't know about our football team. Uh, this town is, you know, kind of living on the legend of that. They're the town that inspired Bram Stoker, but nobody's heard of them. And I love that they're all like a little bitter, a little like, you know, kind of yeah. cheesed off about it. Well, yeah, there's authenticity on, on two different levels here. There's the one that you actually draw from real mythology to create a cool and original idea, which I think they did here. And then the authenticity of a bitter small town, which that that perfectly mar marries the two tones of this movie, which is this kind of, you know, uh, horror, uh, you know, fantasy horror thing and this kind of dry comedy. Uh, before the podcast, we were talking about Shaun of the Dead. This is like Shaun of the Dead, but... It's also not. It's also very like because it's a, a lot of blue collar people stuck in an, in a very um, precarious supernatural situation. Uh, but the way they handle the humor in in one from uh, or boys from County Hell um, is different. It's it's much different than English humor. Uh, and it's uh, Damon. I actually really appreciated it. Um, so so you're on one hand, you're laughing. On the other hand, unlike Shaun of the Dead, when it gets dark, I mean, it gets dark. It gets heavy. 
it gets really kind of intense, um, which I like. It's like, yeah, if we're going to go for it, let's go for it. Like even the intro of the movie, I put a note down and I was like, well, that's a fucking great intro is these two elderly people, you know, sitting at their, um, you know, sitting watching TV in the middle of the night and the wife starts bleeding profusely from the nose and you go, well, what's going on? And then the husband starts bleeding profusely from the eyes and you're like, holy shit. And then they fucking cut too. you know, that was their cold open. So they, they leave you hanging with some real dark intensity and then they kind of move into this American werewolf in London set up really quickly. And you learn a little bit about our, our main characters, Eugene, Claire, SP, they're, they're these, you know, young 20, 30 somethings who, who live in this small town. They're bitter. They're down on their luck. They, they, they drown their sorrows in alcohol, lots of levels here. And, but all done to great effect and rather easily, pretty easily digestible. Yeah, to set it up, so, like, the first, like, 15 to 20 minutes of the movie, you know, the intro you mentioned, great cold open. I mean, tremendous cold open. Doesn't give really a whole lot away, but it really does set up, like, you know, you're very curious because you've never seen something quite like that in a film, and it's really, really original. I really love that. And then when you cut to, as you mentioned, the lead characters, you know, um, you know, they're drinking in a pub. You know, they're having drinks and, you know, and of course, one of them is like dating the bartender. And then these two kids come in, they're backpackers from Canada and, you know, they kind of take the piss out of them by, you know, because right away they, they, it's set up to be like American werewolf in London. You're going to show us the Moors. And it's really funny. Like they're walking into the, uh, into the slaughtered lamb, except this place is actually called the stoker. And, uh, and, and they take the piss out of him by, you know, taking him up to show them Albertach's grave, telling them the legend and scaring them when they get there, which was really funny. And, and really the, them telling the legend the whole way was very serious and really cool storytelling, a really cool storytelling device. Cause all they're doing is walking. But then when they get there and then they get scared and the guy runs away and then they say something to the effect of, well, that guy's never getting laid again or something <laughs> like that. It's, yeah. it, but but then after that scene, the lead character, Eugene, you kind of learn pretty quickly that he's, you know, kind of you know, kind of one of these characters who's, who's never, never really had much ambition, never really lived up to anybody's expectations. He's living on his mother's, you know, property, his mother and father divorce. His mother had this property. She left him after she died and he's kind of been living there, not really taking care of it necessarily, just kind of like living there and you know, living, li- yeah, living amongst the ruins. Like it's not a great place. He's not taking care of it necessarily. Uh, but <laughs> once we get through that opening scene where, you know, the, the, the fun stuff with the Canadians and everything, like once we get through that opening scene, the next like 10 minutes or so are really serious and really intense. Like you kind of find out that this kid has never, you know, never really done anything. Everyone's like, you know, what are you going to do with your life? You know, what are you doing? His dad's trying to get him to be part of his construction crew. He's just like aimless, very aimless. And even his friend, which by the way, did you notice? Uh, so his friend who is in the film, I believe his name is William. Uh, did you recognize him? He looked familiar. Okay, uh, but so, I, I didn't. I didn't. Uh, was he Game of Thrones? No, that is his name is Fra Free. I think right. Fra is how you pronounce it. His actual name is Francis. So I don't know. Fra Free is how I'm pronouncing it. He was just recently in the Hawkeye series. Oh well, I haven't he seen played, Hawkeye yet. Oh, you haven't seen Hawkeye? No. Okay. He played. He played Kazi, one of the one of the the main guys in uh, in the Hawkeye series, Marvel in the recent Marvel Disney Plus series. Um, so he was in there, but anyways, but once I get into kind of like the serious conversation and you meet Eugene's father, Francie, you kind of, it's, it kind of takes a more serious tone, right? Like it kind of feels like, wow, this is this kid who's never quite lived up to expectation, aimless, doesn't really have a direction in his life. And you kind of, you kind of get the sense of like, it's a more serious tone right then. 
well, a good horror movie, a great one, I should say, builds up their characters well. Uh, and this movie does that. This movie can, you could kind of call it a slow burn at times. I think it actually, it actually sprinkles in the terror and the dread at just the right moments. But it does spin the first half of the movie really trying to establish these people. Um, shit hits the fan kind of quickly, but, but you're... You're understanding their stakes. You're understanding the stakes of Eugene specifically, um, you know, and and kind of he's he's trying to make something of his life, and then this tragedy strikes um, that we won't get into right now. Well, before we get into spoilers, um, a tragedy strikes, and he kind of has to step up, um, and it's it's. It sort of pushes him in a direction where it's like, you know, shit or get off the pot. Like, what are you going to do? Like, now things have gotten bad for you. So he ends up joining his dad He and and on this road crew. And that's a whole other, like, sub, uh, like a subplot of the movie, which is they're going to mow, mow over this uh, this this town. Um, what what do you would you call it? A monument or? A... Yeah, like, a, you know, it's the, the only like the, the town legend, like where. Yeah, they, it's you know, the they... town. It's the little it's this pile of rocks. That's the town legend where this Avertok like is supposedly buried under these rocks and the town's bitter at now they're bitter at the Moffat uh, family because they're going to tear down the only thing that made this town worth a shit, which is a couple of people would, would, would straggle through uh, in their, uh, in their travels in Ireland and see these rocks. And now they're going to tear them down to build a road. Um, so, so there's, there's all these layers in this movie. Um, but I liked everything, uh, you know, it, it was like half just a movie and then half a horror movie. So I, I was like, yeah, you're, you're giving me everything I want. And, it, and credit to cast and crew. I think it, it takes a, it takes a team to strike all the right balance. And I, I didn't know anybody in this in this uh, cast, but everybody played their part really well. Everybody, everybody contributed um, the, the, his friends, uh, Claire and SP. Uh, great like sidekicks, but also they kind of got their own shit going on. Um, when we get into spoilers, maybe we'll talk a little bit about you know how their how their lives play out through the movie. But uh, yeah, a good balance of everything. A, a tonally fun, but also intense when it needed to be. I, I, it it kind of has it all. I'm, I can understand now why there was a lot of buzz about it last year. Yeah, like I've I've always said, and you know. There's a lot of reasons to like, you know, any horror film. Some people, and we've talked about it, some people just love great gore. Some people just love great scares. Some people just love great effects. Um, you know, sometimes you just love a great monster, a great you know, slasher, a great monster. I'm, you know, I'm 100% behind that. Uh, but, and I've said this a million times, Patrick, and you know this about me, at the end of it, my favorite thing is story. I like yeah. story. I like a good plot. If you can drag me in with a great plot, great story, great dialogue, I'm hooked. Maybe the acting doesn't have to be the great greatest and you know, the production doesn't have to be the greatest, but you suck me in with a great story. I'm, I'm hooked. And I think that was probably what impressed me most because I'll be honest as a guy who writes for a living, you know, who tells stories for a living. Um, it's not easy. You know, it's not no. easy to tell a compelling story. It really isn't. So I, you know, when I find a really good one, I love to applaud it. And I was, truly blown away by this one because as you mentioned there's like a real dramatic center to the like there i could 100 it's funny to say this i could 100 see a version of this movie that would turn into like 
you know, a, a, an Oscar nominated drama about yes. a, like an aimless kid who doesn't have any direction in his life. And his dad works a road crew and they're about to demolish the town they grew up in be, for the for the sake of progress. They're building a bypass that's going to do nothing for the town. It's not going to help them develop into a better town or help the people with jobs or any yeah. of that. All they're doing is literally creating a highway bypass that's going to go through the town and, you know, basically tear it apart. There is a version of this movie. You write it and you just leave out the vampire stuff. Stuff and you're like totally. this is like an academy award kind of story and it's really compelling uh that to me when you start out with the heart of it there and, and you give us interesting characters like eugene the kid who's kind of aimless and directionless and you give us his dad who's you know very much a rough you know blue collar uh you know take no shit kind of guy and then you add you know, sprinkle in his friends you mentioned you know claire who's the the bartender you know, you got William, who's his best friend, and you got SP, who's kind of like their jokey, like their, you know, the, the comic cut-up, so to speak. These are all characters you would see in that type of movie. And again, then you, when you inject it with the with the horror element, which is the vampire, this ancient legend, and they awaken this evil within their town that kind of springs up from the ground. And, you know, this creature is, you know, basically what we know to be a vampire, which is it's hungry for blood. Um and then even you mentioned like the the effects at the beginning of the movie like this is not a big budget movie we all know that it's a low budget you know horror film um and you know again but when you look at like the creativity of how they did the the, the monster effects and then also you mentioned the opening with the elderly couple that starts bleeding profusely from their mouth and their and their eyes it's a really cool concept what that's for like what that actually plays into and we get into spoilers here in just a couple minutes we'll talk about that but i was that to me was one of, one, of, one of the most fascinating twists on the whole vampire legend. Uh, I loved that. That was so cool. Like, I again, I was just, because, again, we're so used to vampires being, at least even in the, even in, like, the most creative version of vampires, you kind of have an idea of certain things. They're, you know, they're, they're, you know, they get killed by sunlight. Wooden stakes kill them. They have teeth. They're, they, they bite you. And, you know, I mean, again, these are all just, and again, you can make a million different versions of that, but there's certain like rules to a vampire film that we all kind of abide by. Uh, I love that they, they took some of that away and they twisted it and changed it around because Aubertach or Aubertach or however many different ways we're going to pronounce that name during this podcast, um, is kind of the original undead blood drinker, except it's not exactly like the way that Bram Stoker described. It's not exactly the way that Nosferatu was made. It's not exactly the way we've come to know and understand vampires. It's a very, like it's, it's a, when I say very original, I've never seen anything. I've never seen that idea before, period. Like, and it's, and again, like if there's any genre of horror film, I've seen more, more than slashers, it's vampires. And so, to see something that is completely different and new in this day and age, like I got my hats off of these people and I, and couple that with what you said, which is like, basically, you know, would have probably been a great little indie Oscar movie on top of that. What I loved about that and what kind of adds in that Shaun of the dead element is that you're dealing with like completely blue collar people. They're, they, they are li their lives are hard enough uh, there, there are enough stressors and enough uh, just just daily issues of being kind of downtrodden that this vampire invasion, if you will, if you call it that, it's not quite that because it's not a bunch of vampires, but uh, th this vampire coming into their lives is actually more of an inconvenience. They're not really terrified by it. They're annoyed by it <laughs> because they've got too much shit on their plate. They don't need a fucking blood-sucking vampire. Like, and so 
that informs their the reactions that these characters have. That's kind of where the comedy comes in because you shape these characters in that way, these downtrodden people, and you go, well, how would they really react? The, the way they'd really react is going, this is going to fuck everything up. I, I, the things are already shitty. I don't need this on top of it. And that lends itself to the comedy. It lends itself to the drama. It lends itself to the stakes of the movie. Chris Baugh designed something, and Brendan Mullen, by the way, who helped out with the story, uh, designed a, a great story that's very compelling. And I, I don't know, man, it's it sold me up and down. And if you haven't seen Boys from County Hell yet, you got to go check it out. Yeah. One other thing real quick I want to get to before we talk about spoilers and we get into our categories. I want to mention also, you know, another element that is, uh, you know, to me, um, so important, so consequential to a great film, whether we're talking about horror or not, are compelling characters, you know. And yeah. um, there's a listen. There's movies I love where the characters aren't great, but I still love them. And and I think some films spend too much time trying to give you character development. Oh yeah. Um, this film strikes a really, really strong balance. Like the characters are likable. Uh, you know, Eugene, you, again, you, you know, right away, he's the lead character, but you know, again, he's the aimless kind of, you know, doesn't know which direction he's going in. He doesn't really have a career, you know, really has no ambition. You know, you're not really sure, you know, what he's doing. And again, you've met characters like that a million times over. Then you meet his friend, William, who's trying to be the opposite. William is trying to find ambition. William is trying to get out of this town. William is trying to make a life for himself. You got Claire, who's kind of like in the middle of that. Like she has ambition, she has dreams, but she's not really following them. So she's working as a bartender in the local pub. And then you got Francie, who is Eugene's father, who has his own business, a, a successful construction business. He's trying to get his son to kind of follow in his footsteps and give him something to do, give him a career uh, and, and give him something to do. And he's very much a rough and grumble you know, blue collar guy. I grew up in, you know, Southern Ohio where, you know, our biggest industries were, you know, a prison and, uh, and, uh, and we had a local nuclear plant, uh, and, and, and very blue collar jobs. And this was 100% while he's Irish, he's 100% a million dads. I met, you know, growing oh, up yeah. as a kid, you that's know what what I mean? he's like, like how my dad was, my dad worked for the, the city's uh, water utility. Yeah. Like that's just what he, he was a guy who started digging ditches when he was 18 and you know, that worked his way up. Like that's, that's what Francie Moffat is like in this movie. There's a great line. It's not my favorite line. I know it's not your favorite line. So I'll say what it was, but there's a great line late in the movie where they've gone through a lot of hell together. They've battled vampire. They've, you know, had to kill. I mean, it's, it's a, you know, again, this is towards the end of the movie. And Eugene and, and Francie, his dad, are like, you know, they, they battled through this whole thing. It's like this huge fight. It's just everything's everything they could do together at this moment. And then, like, they kind of share a moment. And, Fran and Eugene leans over to hug his dad. And Francie pushes him. And he's like, what the fuck are you doing? Are you hugging me? <laughs> that, to me, is like the definition of, like, the blue-collar dad. Like, they share, like, this really cool sentimental moment. But the dad is still like, are you hugging me? What are you yeah, doing? Like, what are you, don't, you don't hug me. <laughs> Don't hug me. What are you hugging me? It's so hilarious. Like, it's so great and so real. Like, again, that's 100%. Like, we, and maybe that's a problem. I don't know, but like, that's 100% something that would happen in my family as a kid. Like, you're hugging yeah, me? What are you hugging me for? Yeah, it's it's very it's very reminiscent of like real real blue collar families, which is uh, the kind of family I grew up in. I know it's the kind of family you grew up in, so it's fun to see that, and and it's it's fun to kind of and that's what we talk about sometimes with representation or authenticity. Um, it's fun to see people like you and that come from backgrounds like yours in these fantastical stories. Like you feel connected on a on a deeper level. 
Yeah, absolutely. All right. With that being said, we're now going to move into spoiler territory. This film came out last year. It's been on it's been on Shutter for about I want to say like six months now, maybe seven months now. Um, so it's been out for a little while, but now we are going to get into full on spoilers as we get into our favorite uh, parts of this film as we get into our category. So again, fair warning, if you haven't seen it, clearly Patrick and I both really enjoyed this movie. It's currently available on Shutter. Boys from County Hell, definitely check it out. But now we're getting into spoilers, so you have been warned. So Patrick, as we do each and every week here on the show, let's get into our first category, which is best performance. And as I said at the top, you know, when I talked about characters a few minutes ago, um, I really liked the characters, and also to that credit, I really liked all the performances. To me, there were no bad performances in this movie. No, yeah, it was it to me. It just played like a great little indie flick from Europe, and I was like, yeah, I'm totally into this. Um, my best performance went to the guy we just uh, heaped a bunch of praise on, which is Nigel O'Neill, who played Francie Moffat, the dad. Um, for all the reasons that we just talked about, he had this authentic working class dad vibe to him that he just. He nailed. I mean, I was like, wow, I'm like kind of watching my dad is what, is what it kind of felt like. So uh, I, I dug it. I, I, I dug his performance. And it uh, in, a, in a movie full of authentic performances, his stood out to me. Yeah, he was really good. And, and he was, you know, very, what's the word I'm looking for? Very commanding, you know, very, yeah. like, you know, very fatherly. You know, like I said, when I think of a dad, like this is like the old 80s dad. You know what I mean? Like your dad. Yeah. As I talk about like the hugging line, like you're like what 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 movie is it? Oh God, what movie is it? Uh, I can't remember what it. Maybe it's a TV show. There's a great line. That I, I'm just I'm drawing a blank on what it came from, but where the father's talking to his son, and he's just like you know I tell you when you, I'm not your mother. I tell you when you screw up. You know you want to tell her about your problems. You go talk to your mother. I'm the one who tells you when you've done wrong. Mm-hmm. Right. That's that's this guy. That is Francie. He's not the guy who's gonna like you know talk about your feelings. You know, he's the guy who's going to be like, you know, get your shit together and get up off your ass and do something like he's not going to be the one to like, you know, talk to you about, you know, you know how you woke up and felt great this morning. He's not that guy. And he plays yeah. it great. Yeah. And, and also, I mean, his his sort of blue collar work ethic comes in handy uh, in 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 the crisis, because now we've got Talk like is now descending on the town. They're trying to figure shit out where he's like get the fucking backhoe and let's get, let's like move a bunch of dirt and bury these bodies and do all that. Like he's a guy who just is like, let's just get up and go and solve the problem. Cause I got work at five in the morning. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and let's be honest, the end of the movie, he literally tells his son to rip his leg off and use it as a weapon to kill them, <laughs> to stop the freaking vampire. Yeah. He's like, just do it. I got another leg. <laughs> yeah. And then it's only the, a leg. And also another classic, like blue collar thing after the, the end of the movie, you know, and again, we're in spoiler territory. So like, you know, we know that Francie has survived. He's like, he's got like a, a prosthesis and he's like, and his son's like trying to help me. He's like, Hey, fuck off. It's a peg <laughs> leg. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not crippled or what. I care what exactly he yeah, says. Yeah. But, he was like, well, I, I, I just, it's a peg leg. Don't, don't hold my hand. Yeah. He's just, he's just like, I can still walk. It's I'm limping, but fuck off. <laughs> Yeah, he was good. Very much, very much. Uh, my so I'm I'm bearing the lead here because uh, we had similar choices with best performance and favorite character, which is coming up next. So I'm just gonna go ahead and tell you my best performance, and again, this will kind of lend to what you're gonna be doing next. Uh, my best performance was uh, was Michael Huff as S. P. Macaulay. Yeah. Uh, the kind of he was very much the comic relief of the movie. He was the one that had the best funny lines. He was kind of the big guy with the big beard and the you know, the blue collar guy. He was the the friends of the best friends. You know, William and Eugene were like the two best friends, and SP is kind of like the other guy 
they hang out with, drink with, you know, all that kind of things. And he's very much the comic relief. But his 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 portrayal is great because again, there's a real delicate balance in this film where you know it is a horror comedy because there's a lot of really funny lines, but it's not it's never done to the effect of like a Shaun of the Dead or like a Zombie Land where the action is also kind of slapsticky and funny. And that's not an right. insult. I love Shaun of the Dead. Freaking love Zombie Land. I'm saying like, you know, in Zombie Land when they kill a zombie, they're kind of making a joke out of it. When they're right. in peril in this movie, they're in peril. They're not yeah. like trying to make fun of the freaking, you know, villainous vampire coming to kill them. Uh, but SP kind of injects a, a bit of humor. And so Michael Huff's performance, I thought was great. He had a, a few deadpan lines and, and, and really funny, but also, you know, when it needed to be done, very serious. So I thought he just, I thought he, I thought he struck a good balance in this film. Absolutely. And he was my favorite character as we always do a favorite character category as well. Um, and I, for all those things you just said, cause he, he, he was great comic relief in this movie while still maintaining the tone. He wasn't a wacky sidekick. He was, he was funny like your buddy at the bar who, who can cut everybody up with his, with the, his humor, but he's, you know, he's, he's still part of this whole situation that's going on. And what I loved more than anything, I think what really sold it for me with his, uh, w for him as a favorite character was the catharsis of his ending, right? So he doesn't make it out. He gets, he gets, uh, uh mortally wounded by Abertok and, uh, or it wasn't even Abertok, right? It was, uh, William. Yeah. Uh, who who also yeah, turned. Yeah. yeah. Um, so he gets mortally wounded and he, and he, he, and he just sits on the couch and he's kind of resigned to the fact that he's going to die. And then he talks about right in that moment, you know, my dad said I was never going to amount to nothing that I was going to die in front of the TV with a beer in my hand. So give me a beer, <laughs> you know, like, like he's sort of embracing the fact like, but, but, but also with a satisfaction, cause he says, at least it wasn't from a heart attack. And I think what he says, what he's saying in that moment is like, see dad, I amounted to something like I, I like I gave my life to save my friends. Yeah. Uh, and again, that's the Oscar side of it. That's like the Oscar indie movie that you would typically, you know, see that's that other side of the movie. And I, when he when he delivered that little that last little bit, I was like, damn, see, I love that. Like and so for a character that was so much fun during it, his catharsis in the end was rather touching. No, it was great. He was phenomenal and he was a great character. And I'll be honest, he was going to be my favorite character until I, I wanted to pick somebody a little different because you picked him. And it's funny. My favorite character was Francie, the other yeah. side, which is the yeah. dad. And the reason I say that is because he reminds me of so many dads I've known, including my own father. You know, my own father, I had a really not turn this into a therapy session, Patrick, but I had a really, really, really difficult relationship with my father before he passed away um years ago but i would say you know growing up i don't know that i ever hugged my father once like in my life you know what i mean he was a blue collar right. guy he worked as a he was a, a, a he drove a tractor trailer he ran a gas station when i was a kid he drove a tractor trailer and then eventually became a boiler operator at a prison that's what he did for the you know his latter part of his life very blue collar very hands-on you know those kind of jobs. That's what he did. That's what my family did. And I don't think I ever hugged my father. <laughs> I'm not saying that like yeah. I need help. I'm just saying like looking back on it, like, I don't think I ever did. Uh, even as a kid, like I said, that was kind of like the, the, the eighties role of parents. You know, you had the, the dad who was kind of like the rough and, you know, the rough and tumble blue collar, right. And then you had the mom who was very much the motherly, you know, the, that maternal instinct. That's kind of what it was. Now, of course, those roles have changed and evolved and thank goodness for that. But, that's kind of the world we, you and I grew up in. Yeah, uh, totally. I think all those characters, um, the side characters like Francie, like Claire, like SP, 
they reflected very much people I grew up with. Yeah. So Francie being that, like, again, the guy who says, fuck off, what are you trying to hug me? And then, <laughs> and then the guy who's just, you know, again, kind of the take charge, you know, not really, you know, just kind of like going head first into a situation uh, and, and taking care of business. You know, he's the guy who's, you know, he actually has made something in his life. He has a very successful construction business, all these kind of things. And when, when, when the shit hits the fan, uh, he's the guy who's kind of like in the lead. Like, even though he doesn't believe it at first, he's the one who takes the lead. And so I really like that character again, kind of like, and not, not nearly as funny as SP, but like he did have some funny lines, but also some of the funny lines just felt authentic. You know, like I joked totally. about the, like the hugging line, like the, you know, like, like some of the other stuff that happens in the movie, they're funny, but they're authentic. Like that's 100% something I could see a character like that saying. Yeah, and you know me, I'm a broken record on this. Uh, when it comes to funny, I like things that are not self-aware, and these characters are just living their lives, and they're and they're funny because they don't know they're being funny. And yeah, it, 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 this movie works like that in many different ways. Yeah, so let's talk about best line. I got to be honest, there's a lot of really good lines in this movie. I could have picked two or three. The hugging line I keep bringing up because that was another of my favorite that just cracked me up. Uh, Patrick, set up your best line from <laughs> Boys from County Hell. <laughs> so. So the uh, the local sheriff, I get, I I don't know what the proper term would be in Ireland, but basically there's like one guy that's the cop of the town, and he's he's rather lazy and he really doesn't give a shit, and he knows Eugene and and Claire and SP and William and knows they're kind of screw up, so he doesn't take them very seriously. So he's literally he's like the the sheriff in uh, in Halloween, the original Halloween. Like he never he's never functional in this movie. But at one point, Eugene's just like, well, let's just call the fucking cops. Like, we got to do something. We got to figure something out. So Eugene's trying to explain uh, Abertok to the police chief. And uh, <laughs> this exchange was just too funny. And man, I tell you, the visual really sells it too, because they cut to the cop back at the station on the phone. And the way he looks and the way he's delivering the line is very, very funny. Yeah, here we go. Need to report something. You should really ring 999 first, but anyway, go ahead. What'll I say? Let me talk to him. Uh, saw somebody hanging about the town earlier. There I go, right, got it. What were they doing? Being kind of creepy and suspicious, probably worth checking it out. Where'd you see this from? The front window of the stoker? Barred from the stoker. Uh, so, uh, what did this person look like? Ah, uh, he was... Tall with dark skin. That's not a crime, Eugene. We are a welcoming community and just go out and take a look around the town, okay? Promise me. <laughs> we are a welcoming community. <laughs> that is not a crime. We are a welcoming community. <laughs> like it's just like you are not saying what I think you're saying right now. And of course, the visuals really sell it because he realizes that the way he just described Avertok just sounds incredibly racist. Yeah. And like everybody in the room is like cringing. They're like, why? Yeah. Oh, God. Why Claire, did you say that? Claire especially has a look on her face yeah. like, what are you saying? Yeah, like, don't say that, you idiot. And the cop, the cop's response is like very diplomatic. Like, we are a very, very welcoming community, Eugene. <laughs> that is not a crime. <laughs> <laughs> it's so great and so like that's what you talking about like the, the so like again if you you can't describe a vampire so the way you describe him is how abertok looks but yeah abertok uh, looks like a charred corpse yeah you know, but when you say black. it very tall dark skin that's not a crime eugene <laughs> 
just great. So great. So my favorite line comes from about 10 minutes earlier in the film, right after they kind of discover what's going on when the first vampire spinoff, however you want to say it, you know, from, you know, the first infected person, let's say, uh, pops back up. And this is, uh, what was the character's name? Is it Thomas? Charlie, 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 Charlie. Yeah. Thank you, Charlie. Charlie, you know, ends up getting infected, getting turned into a vampire, however you want to say it. And he ends up trying to bite Eugene and they end up crashing the van. And of course, when Francie comes running up, he's more concerned about the van <laughs> than he is <laughs> his, his kid or the guy. And so Eugene is trying to describe what happened. And, and, and basically, you know, like, uh, Charlie tried to bite him. Charlie tried to bite him as a vampire. And so, uh, and so you have Claire reacting to that and then Francie delivering my favorite line. Need to wear porcelain. You should really ring 999. Wrong. Sorry, hit your line again. Hey, so nice. Let's play it twice. Hang on. When you said he tried to bite you, like a a cunt. (laughs) He tried to bite you like a, like he's trying to say vampires. Like he tried to bite you like a, like a, and his dad goes like a cunt. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. Let me let me hit it one more time. Yeah. Hang on. When you said he tried to bite you, huh? like a, like a, like a, like a cunt. <laughs> this is like a cunt. Yeah. He, yeah. His yeah. Francie's so annoyed right now because the van is wrecked. <laughs> Where the hell's Charlie? We got work in the morning. The the lights and the and the construction side aren't working. He's pissed off. He doesn't want to deal with this shit. Yeah, like a cunt. It's just so classic. Like, like she's like, like a vampire is what she's trying to say, and Vance is just like, what, like a cunt? Yeah, that's uh, great. Hilarious. Uh, <laughs> let's talk about best scare because you know what? I gotta admit, there's some pretty good scares in this movie. Uh, it, I, I, it's not the scariest film, but it's definitely got some good scares. So, what was your what was your favorite scare in this one? Yeah, it's a, this this movie's chock full of effective jump scares. They're they're I mean, a jump scare we we I, we talk about it like it's kind of cheap. It's not it's not cheap if it's done well. And this movie's great at kind of lulling you into uh, a sense of security and then getting you, which is a great way to do a jump scare. It's like if you if you don't telegraph it and you, we don't see it coming, a scare is a scare. Like I got to value it the way I would value anything else in the movie. Uh, mine actually comes right before your best line, which is uh, he's driving in the car with Charlie and Charlie's kind of, you know, something's wrong with Charlie, but nothing seems to be happening in that moment. And then boom, Charlie attacks uh, um, Eugene while they're driving and the, and the van crashes. So that the jump of Charlie attacking, I thought was super effective. Yeah. It's a good scare because in that moment, you still aren't quite sure what's happening. You know what I mean? Like Charlie, you know, Charlie's had something happen to him, but you're not quite sure is he transforming? Is he dying? Like what's going on? Cause it's a really kind of, he's really odd acting. You're not really sure. So when yeah. he jumps on him in that moment, it's a good scare. Uh, my favorite scare is actually kind of an odd one, uh, but it legitimately made me jump. And so that's why I picked it. And it's a little later in the movie, William gets turned into a vampire and they end up going to William's parents' house, which is a house that's going to be demolished for the sake of progress. Their house is literally going to be in the path of this bypass. And so there's a little bit of, te- there's tension. Again, we talk about like the Oscar part of this movie, very much the tension of this family being displaced. William ends up dying, which of course is another tragedy that struck this family, but they all end up at this house trying to run away from, from Albertage, right? Run away from the vampire. And while they're in the house, they, they basically realize that there's no saving William. This is not William. William is a vampire. He's gone and they need to kill him. 
Well, they don't know how to kill him. It's nighttime, so there's no sunlight. They don't believe they have the weapons to kill him with a wooden stake. They think that's all bullshit. And besides, the only wooden stake they have is like a wooden spoon, which is hilarious. So they decide to decapitate him. And so they decide to lure him out. And then when William walks in the room, his dad is going to swing with an axe and kill William. That's the whole plan. They do it. They coax him in. And right before William is right before his dad, George is about to cut his head off. He gets shot. His wife shoots him and it jumped. It, it scared yeah. the hell out of me. Cause I was like, what the hell just happened? Who got shot? Why did somebody get shot here? Well, all the tension of that moment is, is you're about to, you know, they're about to unleash this rabid uh, vampire that's coming at them. So you're worried about, is the plan going to work? Is he going to run through the door? And is, and is his dad actually going to swing an ax and, and cut his head off? Is that all going to go right? Cause it sure doesn't feel like it is. And then right in the moment it's about to happen, the gunshot goes off and you're like, holy shit. Okay. Totally something different, not expected. And, you know, and, and it creates its own new level of chaos, but another great and solid jump scare. Um, something else about that scene that's actually really funny is when they're coming up with the plan. I loved the moment where the dad's like pra- practicing the axe swing and Francie like walks through the door and nearly gets hit with it. And he's just kind of annoyed. Yeah. Like there was something so like, so genuine about that. Like it felt like a real authentic moment. Like watch it with the fucking axe. asshole. <laughs> yeah. Like it was just something about that moment. And, like to put that in the movie, I thought was so smart. Cause it felt very, very grounded and real, but also very hilarious. Yeah. So to that point, my favorite scare is, you know, Pauline, I think is her name. She shoots uh, George to stop him from killing their son. She's yeah. just downtrodden. She can't believe that their son is actually dead or turned into this vampire. So from there, let me transition into best gore, which is my favorite gore. I'll go first because it's right after this, right after he doesn't get to swing the ax. William doesn't get killed. Uh, he gets shot in the arm by his own wife. Who's been kind of in a catatonic state ever since her son died. So here's William blood dripping from the mouth, clearly, you know, undead and, and a vampire. And his mother just basically says, come here, pet. Like she's trying to like, hug her son and William goes over and slashes her throat and it's so good. The gore in that scene is so good. And you just see like the look of shock on her face. He slits her throat and then bites her to to drink her blood. And it's so authentic. And so like really it's, it's good scare, but it's also like, you know, a good gore because he just like, he walks, she like invites him over, like come to me, my son. And he just slits her throat and then just starts eating, drinking her blood. And I just thought that was a really effective bit of gore. Oh yeah, no, it was. I mean, oh, that overall, that that whole scene in there is actually really well done. Where where William uh, Eugene's great friend is like now a vampire, and they're trying to figure that shit out. That whole scene's great. Everything yeah. about it, I loved. Uh, what about your best gore? My best gore actually comes from. So we didn't we didn't really get into it yet. So it's a good time to talk about it. What Abertok does that's so unique and different. Not only does he look different. But what's really unique about the way he takes blood is he draws it from your body without ever having to be um, like touch you. He 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 could bite you if he wanted to, but all he really needs to do is just be near you and he will draw the blood from your body. So when we talked about that cold open where the woman's uh, nose starts running blood like a faucet and her husband's eyes start bleeding, you see that blood trail out. And, and and pull out the door because he can suck your blood from your body like without ever touching you. It's, it's a really cool idea, really different. I hadn't seen it before. If, if somebody else out there has seen something like that, let me know. Um, but because that's how he does it, there is a scene later on in the movie where that same uh, police chief, I think is Hart is his name, uh, he goes to take a, a, a piss and... <laughs> 
He's the, and you see this stream of urine coming down, and then the stream of urine starts turning red. And it's not it's not on screen gore, but the implication was so like blood curdling, like pun intended, like squirmy, like oh god, there's blood coming on this guy's dick right now. Like it's just, it was so intense it was and that real. I had to choose that as my gore. It's kind of implied gore. It kind of reminded me. This is a weird correlation, and people are like, "It kind of reminded me of like the grossness of like uh, Cabin Fever." Yeah, you know, I love Cabin Fever, great Eli Roth movie, and there's some really like intense gore scenes in that. Of course, everyone knows the the leg shaving scene in that movie, but it kind of reminded me of that where it's kind of like, "Ooh, it's kind of gross," but like it's really cool. And so that was definitely, I agree, that was great, and also we don't really have like a favorite part of the movie. Like that's not really what we do, but if I had to pick a favorite part of the movie or a favorite thing that really hooked me with this movie, it was that the fact that Aubertach, you know, draws the blood out of people. Yeah. And then like the entire town, like he had walked through like the town square and everybody had just been like falling down the ground as their blood was getting drawn from them, from their eyes, from their mouth, from their nose, from whatever orifices it was. I just thought that was such a cool twist. I love that. It was a great, unique take on a, a very classic idea of a vampire. It's just it was something I'd never seen before. It's very apropos to our next particular category. Yeah. So, uh, are we going to do best take or funny? What are we doing next? Will we do best take? Let's do, do best. Fu- take. Oh, we have funniest no, moments. Well, yeah, let's, yeah. Do, let's do best take because yeah, that does do that is take, a good yeah. that is a good segue. So we talked about how much we love the the whole blood draining from his victims without ever touching them. All you have to do is be near him. Whenever Aubertach is near, whatever humans are around him, they'll start bleeding and he'll suck your blood into that, which, again, such a cool thing. So we had the idea of best take on a classic monster. Now, we mentioned there's a million different versions of vampires out there, but of course, there's other great monsters like Frankenstein, the mummy. Uh, you think about all the great universal monsters, the Wolfman, all these different kind of things. So. Our best take, our favorite take on a a new take on a classic monster. So, Patrick, what is your best take on a classic monster? My favorite new take on a classic monster, uh, interestingly enough, we've been bringing up the Oscars enough, was the Oscar winner for Best Picture a couple years back, uh, the Amphibian Man from Shape of Water. I think that's actually what they call him, uh, played by the great Doug Jones. Um, You know, the, the Amphibian Man in that story... Uh, is very clearly a nod to the creature from the Black Lagoon. I mean, the 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 look of that character, the design of that character, the creature from the Black Lagoon was just sort of a creature feature from the 1950s, I believe. Um, that's super iconic. I mean, even we all know who the creature of the Black Lagoon is, and it's like there was only the one movie. I think there was there might have been like spinoffs or 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 return of or anything, but everybody just knows creature from the Black Lagoon. It's kind of the the one standard movie for it. And I loved Guillermo del Toro kind of reinventing him as no longer this uh, this ghoul uh, or beast trying to seize a woman, but rather a romantic lead and uh, and and a, and a sympathetic character. Um, I, I loved the take. I loved that movie. It was to me the best picture of that year, and it had largely to do with the fact that he put a whole new take on a classic movie monster. Yeah, it's a really interesting take, and you know, I'm a big Guillermo del Toro fan, anyways. Uh, but that is a really strong, a really strong take. And I'll be honest, I don't know that I've ever actually seen the original Creature from the Black Lagoon. I know I've seen clips, but I don't know that I've ever actually seen the full movie. Uh, but of course, we all know it. I mean, my, my yeah, everybody my, knows it. Yeah. My my biggest exposure to that character is from Monster Squad, the merman character, who's the, yeah. obviously a take on on uh, on the on the Creature from the Black Lagoon. But yeah, that is a really cool one. Um, and because again, it's not a character that really, 
Yeah, really flourished. You know, like, again, Dracula, vampires, millions. You know, Frank. There's a ton of Frankenstein movies, ton of Wolfman, werewolf movies, but Creature from the Black Lagoon. There's just the one movie and a couple of random takes. And Shape of Water was a really interesting one, and actually uh, making a pretty compelling character. Oh, totally. I love that movie. It's a great. You could watch that movie on mute and still see understand what the whole movie's about. It's just it's brilliant. Yeah. So I'm going to give two for my best take on a new monster and and or best new take on a classic monster. And the first one I'm going to say is not my favorite, but kind of in the same vein of the creature of the Black Lagoon. The reason I picked this one is because when it comes to classic monsters, this is probably the one I could honestly care le- couldn't care less about. Like I never was attracted to this and that's the original the mummy character. Well, the original mummy, the Brendan Fraser, Rachel Weiss mummy movie with Arnold Vosloo playing the the you know Emotep, the original uh uh mummy, the mummy uh, is such a really fun, interesting take on that particular character. Uh, it's not really scary. I mean, I guess if you're a kid watching it, I could see a couple scary parts, but it's more of an action adventure kind of movie. But again, I never cared about the mummy could not, I mean, couldn't care less about the mummy. And they gave me a movie that remains one of my favorite action films of all time. I love the mummy. I still watch the mummy. It was on, I think like HBO in the last couple of months and I've 100% watched it like three times. I love the mummy. But probably my favorite new take on a classic monster, uh, which again, Vampire, we've talked about, there are some really cool iterations out there. I absolutely loved what they did with 30 Days a Night. Now, to be clear, I am a comic book collector. I have a ton of comic books in my collection. I was very well aware of this before the film came out. Steve Niles wrote the original graphic novel, wrote the original comic, and I actually have the graphic novel sitting right behind me. Um, But they eventually made a movie starring Josh Hartnett, uh, and the vampires brought to life in that film is, and I, I love the comic, but the, the vampires brought to life in that film are so good. Danny Houston in particular who plays like the lead vampire. Uh, yeah. Danny Houston, of course, has gone on. He was in the first couple of seasons of Yellowstone. Uh, he was an American horror story. Great actor. These vampires were, were basically feral animals. They could talk a little bit in their own, like weird vampire language, but it was just they were blood they were bloodthirsty killers and they were very again feral animals they were not yeah you know, they monstrous. were not they were not romantic they were not you know they were not no. hanging out and having conversations with you like they were just there to kill you and drink your blood and i just loved it and i got to be honest that's probably I'd have to really give it some thought but that's quite probably the most terrifying vampire i've ever seen committed to film or television Absolutely. And it, it weirdly, uh, you know me, I don't actually read a lot of comics, um, but I have the 30 Days of Night graphic novel. Um, and I, and why I appreciate it is the take on why the vampires were doing what they were doing. They went to that town in, 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 the, in the north, inside the Arctic Circle, because it would have 30 days of night. So they traveled on a ship that they commandeered by, you know, just killing everybody on the ship. And they and they go, oh, this town is going to have a sundown for 30 days. Great place to go find people and eat them. Like, that's the part of that take that I really love. I mean, yes, I, I love the creature design. I love the way the movie's executed. Um, but I just, I love the concept. The idea that, like, 
they're smart enough to go, we got to go find where it's dark for, for as long as possible so we can truly thrive and the town will have no choice but to be inundated and, and destroyed by us because w- there's there's no sun to stop us. Yeah, it's a really cool take. I feel like we're going to have to review 30 Days in there oh, at some we point. Must, at I, some I, point. I, I love that movie. Uh, all right, let's talk about funniest moment because, as I said, and as we both said on this podcast, Patrick, you know, this is a this is billed as a horror comedy, and there are definitely some funny moments. Although, again, I would caution you that it's not your typical horror comedy. There's nothing slapsticky. Right. There's that. This is not Shaun of the Dead. This is not Zombieland. This is a horror movie with some really funny dialogue, uh, is what I would say. Yeah. Um, what would you say is your funniest moment in this movie? I really loved so uh, one of the first people to get uh, get killed out there was this one of one of the workers named Charlie, uh, who who was kind of just sitting around drinking on on the on the job site after work and and got uh, got turned. Um, <laughs> there's a moment, and we again we talked a lot about Dad about Francie uh, and his sort of pragmatic approach to everything. When the shit starts hitting the fan at the work site, the dad comes up and he's just pissed off that everything's you know getting screwed up on his work site. And Charlie is like, um, I think he got impaled with like a, a some sort of a pole, and and the dad is pissed off that he's ruined the pole, <laughs> and they're like wrestling with it. And there's even like that staying alive shot where like they're spinning around together. <laughs> like there was something just about the construction of the of that entire sequence where it's like all all Francie really cares about here is that he wants to get his pole back from Charlie. Never mind that it's it's impaled him. He's like, give me my damn pole back. You ruined the fucking pole. Yeah, it was great. It's really <laughs> funny and 100 percent, again, authentic to what you probably be thinking in that moment. Like, hey, you're ruining my pole. <laughs> it looked like a couple of drunk guys fighting over a piece of construction equipment. Yeah. So I already completely ruined my funniest moment, but I could not talk about it. When we were we were speaking about the authenticity of this movie. My funniest moment is the hugging scene. That scene yeah. had me rolling when he said that when they tried, they shared a special moment as father and son. They battled a vampire. Their friends, have, some of their friends have died and uh, just tragedy all around them. They're finally surviving. And then he goes to the hug. And Francis just goes, what the fuck are you doing? You hugging me? I just, I was just like, this is so perfect. Like this was hundred percent exactly what my dad or probably a lot of dads from the eighties would have said. It was just so authentic and so hilarious. And I cried laughing when he said, he's like, what are you fucking hugging me? What are you doing? Hugging me. And then he says it again afterwards. He's like, you hug me. Like it was just so hilarious because it's so real. Like that's not the kind of guy you share a moment with. Like you do not share a moment with that guy. (laughs) It's great. I mean, the movie gives and gives and gives. If if you're willing to sit, it's not traditionally laid out. But if you're willing to sit with this movie, um, it, it's a lot of fun. It's a roller coaster of emotions. You're laughing, you're crying, not really crying, but you know, like there's there's emotional beats to it. It's horrific at times. Uh, I, I love this. I I, I would say I, this is one of my favorite movies that I've seen this year so far. I know it won't end up on my 2022 list because it's not from 2022. But if I had watched this in 2021, it would have been hard to keep off of my list. Yeah, I think if I would have watched this last year, I think it could have been in my top five, honestly. Yeah, we like, can't I'm, see them all, folks. I mean, we got we got lives yeah. outside of this. I, I wish I would have seen this last year. It would have made my list. Yeah, I agree. All right, last category is always, Patrick. Let's talk about the most important one here. We are a horror movie podcast after also. Boys from County Hell. Is it scary? You know, it's not I, I would say it's not actually very scary. It's very intense at times, which can be scary for certain people. It could be very triggering, um, not even just the gore and, and the violence, but like, you know, like 
you know, familial situations, uh, you know, poverty and, and, and hardship and, and all that stuff is included in it too. So there are things in there that can get you, but I will say this, it has a lot of really, really good jump scares, like really good ones. And so I'm like, well, truth be told, am I going to be scared? Is it going to haunt me? No. But while I sat there, it made me jump multiple times. I mean, that's the answer is yes, because I got I got scared a bunch of times, you know, just for those little jolting moments. Yeah, I would 100 percent agree. This is a good, scary movie. I mean, there's some, you know, again, I go back to the whole effect of like him drawing the blood from the people from the very offset. When you see this older couple, you know, blood starts just pouring out of this woman's nose, out of this guy's eyes, and then they both look at the door because, you know, Aubertach is, is, you know, so, supposedly behind the door. Uh, it's just creepy. It's scary. I love that effect. Like, again, you see several times in this movie where people just start bleeding from their orifices and they're, you know, and they're on their the penises. street. Yeah, their penises. <laughs> it's a real, and then again, you talk about the jump scares, which are really effective and, and really good. And, and again, the, um, the effects are really solid in this movie. You know, the makeup for Aubertach is, is really strong. Yeah. Like you never really see him full on. You do a little bit in the face, but like he's a creature. They keep him a creature. They keep him a scary creature and, and it's good. It's just, it's a really effective horror movie. It's a really effective, funny movie at moments. Uh, it's a, as we've said numerous times, very effective drama at moments. Well acted, Again, I I would go. I love this movie. I really did. I love this movie. I will rewatch this movie. Uh, and if it had been, you know, if I had seen it last year, I can pretty much guarantee it would have made my best of list. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's unfortunate that we didn't get to put it in with that. But uh, you know, maybe when we when we put this out there on social media, I'll go. Hey, this this should have been on my twenty twenty one list. You got to check this out. Hundred uh, percent. Boys from County Hell is currently available on Shutter. I believe it is a Shutter exclusive, so you can only find it on Shutter. So uh, go check it out. Again, if you're a horror movie fan, you should probably already have Shutter anyways. But if not, I would highly recommend going to catch uh, Boys from County Hell. It's a great movie. And if you've listened to this podcast, you can tell how much we enjoyed it. Uh, oh, yeah. With that said, Patrick, we are done for another week of Rewind of the Living Dead. Make sure you check us out on all of your favorite podcast platforms, Apple Podcasts. Spotify, Amazon, Google, uh, iHeartRadio, everywhere you can find a podcast, you will find us. Just search Rewind of the Living Dead. If you have comments, questions, movies you'd like us to review, hit us up anytime on Twitter. You can find me at Damon Martin, and you are? At Director Patrick. And you can also send us an email with that same kind of thing. Commentary, questions, uh, you know, movies you'd like us to review. You can hit us up at ROT living dead at gmail.com that's rot living dead at gmail.com and we will be glad to listen to, uh excuse me glad to read your submissions uh want to say a big thank you as always to everyone that tunes into the show we will see you next week for another edition of rewind of the living dead thanks for tuning in and we will see you then peace